0: James chapter 5, verse 19 through 20 says this. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. With three boys, for a while there, our house had the ambulance come by on a regular basis. When Aaron was little, he would have, uh, we didn't know this, but he had febrile seizures. And so I was babysitting him one time, babysitting, watching my own son uh, at home while Teresa was working and um, we we're doing, having a great day. The plan of the day is good. The path of the day is normal. Everything's going correctly. And so I'm carrying him around. He's a little baby. And I kneel down and all of a sudden I t- turn and I look at him. And he just starts, his eyes are rolled back in the back of his head, he's foaming at the mouth, and he gets as stiff as a board. I'd never heard of febrile seizures before, so I panicked. Uh, and so I ran, ran right away, I found the phone immediately, I called 911, and all of a sudden a few I opened the door, I didn't know what to do, and um, a few minutes, the EMTs and the ambulance came barging into the house, and they were able to figure it out and help him tell me what was going on. They got him to the hospital and they took him off. What the EMTs did not do was pull up into my driveway, take a 15-minute break, come to my door, wait for me to welcome them in before they came and helped me out. They came right in, and I live in Salmon, so it's a small town. So when I go to pick up my kids, um, I'm standing right next to some of the EMTs that helped me, and I feel like I know them. I felt like we were really close personal friends there for a while. I'd see them at my ho- I see them inside my house on a regular basis, and would often feel like I would need to apologize um, because when emergencies happen at my house by myself. Um, there's blood, there's stuff all over the place, uh, chairs are knocked over, and I feel like I need to say, uh, I'm sorry that my chair was knocked over, I'm sorry my shirt was on backwards, it was my day off, and I knew you were um, coming, and um, that high-pitched scream, I knew it sounded like it came from me, but really, uh, it, was in my, it was my wife, she just wasn't out there. I just feel like I know these people, I feel like it's, we're personal, um, I feel like we're close friends, they, they don't wait to come into your house. They're not concerned about the mess. They're concerned about the condition. And if we are going to be the kind of people that James is calling us to be in his book, we have to be spiritual EMTs for people. Emergency medical technicians who are going to go after their soul. And that's what James is pretty much saying. And it's pretty much the heartbeat of actually his whole book. He was writing to this group of people, this church, who were scattered abroad. And he keeps calling them back to practical Christianity, what's real about faith, what your faith really should look like, what it really is. So he's constantly, really through the whole book, he's calling back and he's warning people, don't be a wanderer. Don't wander away from the faith. Make sure your faith is true, make sure it's real, and get those who are walking away from it back. And that's how he chooses, pretty abruptly, to end his book. And he was a brother of Jesus. But one of the things I think that he really does well, and the thing that we maybe miss from this book of James 2,000 some years later, James was one of the first books written down in the New Testament, is they understood very well in this culture, community. And look what it says in verse 19. He starts out, He's very personal, and he's talking to a group of people who should know each other well. He says, my brothers, if anyone among you, and someone brings him back, he's very much talking about community, and that's what we are going to, if we don't understand the importance of community, and our call as people of faith, and be a part of a family of faith, we don't understand what is important about community we're not gonna understand the importance of being spiritual EMT's spiritual helpful helpers to those who are wandering so this morning we're gonna look at what is your call to community and what's at stake if we fail in community and how are we to be the community you are called to community. As Christians, when we come into the family of God, we are bound tight. And that is missed in our culture. We easily take it or leave it when it comes to our Christian family sometimes, to our family of faith. And I think part of the reason is And we see this idea of community as something that's really all about us, and it's not about other people, and it's definitely not about God. We're going to live our story. We're going to figure out our path and our direction and not let God lead his story and his path and his direction into our lives. I think that we fail at this because sometimes we have this loose connecting feeling of community. We think that, you know, as you come into a church, it's just very a loose connection. It's really not a family. It's not really something that God sovereignly places you into. And so we sometimes feel like we're the ones that choose. We're the ones that pick who our church family is. And in a culture like ours in America where it's very individualistic, we're all about our own way pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps, making our path. We need to rethink that as it's described in community. Because when James wrote to these people, he started out in James 1 saying, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. So these were people scattered all over, but all through his book, he's talking to them as brothers, like they're together, like they're a community. They get this. They understand it. Even if we're not always locally connected We are still one family. We are community. But we don't don't see it that way sometimes. We see it very loosely connected and really about us. And James is not necessarily talking about church hopping here, changing churches just because you feel like changing churches. He's not necessarily talking about those people, but sometimes in our culture, we see this all the time. Some people change churches faster than they renew their driver's license. In the 12 years that I've been here, I know uh, people have been to four or five different churches in our, that I have known in this area, not just people who've come to our church. It's, it's, it could be a problem. I talked to one guy who he, became, he got saved in one church. And then as he started to grow spiritually, he thought he needed to go to another church. So he went to another church and that's where he kind of got trained for ministry. And then as he felt he kind of grew more spiritually, he moved to another church where he spent his time serving in that church. And now, he's after he felt like he served a while, he's moved on, and he's actually now in a very small church in southern Illinois, in ministry. Is that good? As an American, it sounds really good. Because he grew, he he found a better place where he could learn, then he found a better place where he could serve and now he's doing something else. My fear for him is he's going to crash and burn. But he's, he's never understood the importance of being connected in a family, in a community. The problem with many of us is we are much better at being capitalist than we are being Christian. And we see our church life as capitalist, where we this church was good enough to get me saved in, but I'm growing spiritually, so I need something better now. So I'm going to go over to this church, and this church can train me, and I'm to, that's good. Then I'm going to move over here, and now I can serve. And, then, and so it's really about us, and it's not about God or the community. That's not how God designed it. God wants us to see ourselves as a family of faith in community, not see it just as loose connection where it's about our spiritual growth, but really where it's about other people's spiritual growth and about God's glory. What would have happened if this guy that I know would have stayed with that church where he became a Christian in, helped himself as they grew spiritually, then began to train other people and be able to mentor other people and disciple other people in that church? What impact that could have been In that situation, James is very much about community in the book of James. And about the faith and the family of faith. We need to be as well. We don't need to see church and our faith community as just a loosely connected thing. Or just a learned connected thing. Where it's just how we do what we want to do. But we need to see it as a letting. We're going to let people get into our lives we may not always like it. And it may not always be nice and clean. It'll be difficult. But we will let people speak into our lives. And we will say, yes, you know what? That's painful to hear. But you're right. That's, that's right about me. And I need you to help me. I'm not going to run away from it. I need you to help me. Because we're a family. I need to have you help me to lean on. And we need people who will say, yes. And no, that's not how we do things. And tell people, no, that's not the way to go. That's community. That's what a community does. They don't just, EMTs just don't wait around. They didn't stand outside my door waiting for me to tell them to come in. And they didn't stand there while I shook and held this stiff baby in front of them waiting for me to tell them what I thought I needed. They were trained. They knew what I needed. And they came alongside me. And helped me. And every time I see them. Picking up their kids. I just want to thank them. They are people of my community. That's the way it is supposed to be. In the family of faith. And that's what James is talking about. He's saying my brothers. If anyone among you. Wanders from the truth. And someone brings him back. We need to see the value. Of deep community. I want to read you this article about a family who understood and developed this heart of community in their church and what it made a difference it made in their lives even amongst the mess this lady says my husband and i have been a part of the same small group for the past five years like many small groups we regularly share a meal together love one another practically and serve together to meet needs outside our small group we worship study god's word and pray It has been a rich time to grow in our understanding of God, what Jesus has accomplished for us, God's purpose for us as a part of his kingdom, his power and desire to change us, and many other precious truths. We have grown in our love for God and others and have been challenged to repent of our sins and trust God in every area of our lives. It was a new and refreshing experience for us to be in a group where people were willing to share their struggles with temptation. And sin and ask for prayer we have been welcomed by others challenged to become more vulnerable Held up in prayer encouraged in specific ongoing struggles and have developed sweet friendships I have seen one woman who had one foot in the world and one foot In the church openly share her struggle with us We prayed that God would show her the way of escape from temptation many times and have seen God's work in her delivering her her openness has given us a front-row seat to the power of God's intersect with her weakness. Her, her continued vulnerability growth and growth in godliness encouraged us to be humble with one another and to believe that God is able to change us too. Because years have now passed in close community, God's work can be seen more clearly than on a week-by-week basis. One man who had some deep struggles and a lot of anger has grown through repenting of sin and being vulnerable one-on-one in the group. He has been willing to hear the encouragement and challenges of others and to stay in community through his struggle. He has become an example in serving others, a better listener, a more, gent- more gentle with his wife. As a group, we have confronted anxiety, interpersonal strife, the need for forgiveness, lust, family problems, hypocrisy, the fear of men, unemployment, sickness, lack of love, idolatry, and marital strife. We have been helped, held accountable, and lifted up by one another. We have also grieved together, celebrated together, laughed together, offended one another, reconciled with one another put up with one another and sought to love God with one another. As a group, we were saddened in the spring when a man who had recently joined us felt that we let him down by not being sensitive to his loneliness. He chose to leave. I say this because with all the benefits of being in a small group, it is still just a group of sinners. It is Jesus who makes it worth getting together. Apart from our relationship with him, we have nothing to offer. But because our focus is on Jesus... The group has the potential to make a significant and life-changing difference in all our lives. When 7 o'clock on Monday night comes around, I eagerly look forward to the sound of my brothers and sisters coming in our front door. I never know how the evening will go, what burdens people will be carrying, how I will be challenged, or what laughter or tears we will share. But I will always know that the Great Shepherd will meet us and that our lives will be richer and fuller. Because we have been together. That sounds good, doesn't it? That is the longing of all our hearts. And James is calling the church to be that. If we don't see the importance of community, we'll never see the importance of going after those who wander away from it. We have to value it. It's important Because ultimately, community is about God. God has always lived in community. God is the ultimate reality. And if the ultimate reality has always been God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, together, forever, always three in one, always in community, always fellowshipping with each other. God has never been isolated or alone, except for one time. When the Son was separated from the Father. But God made us in His image. And His image is that of community and people being together. That's His desire. That's for, his, for us. And that's why in the deepness of all our hearts, we long. We long for people to say, I'm going to come after you if you wander. We want that, but we don't want that. Because we are... Sinners. But the desire of God for us is that we dwell together in community. You are called. You are called to be in community. Everybody in our church. He says, brothers and sisters, all of you, not the pastor, not the elders, everyone is called to be in this. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, you are a part of a community. And it is should gel you together, should connect with you. It's messy. It's difficult. It's rough. It's got all the edges of real life because we live in a real world. But James says, don't walk away from it because we're prone to wander. And maybe you are thinking about wandering. Now, don't, don't do it. Here's why, James says, what's at stake? What's at stake if people who are part of this community of faith, who are in this community, what if they begin to wander? What happens? Why is it so important that James would end his book with this, and that's it? What's at stake? It says this, verse 20. "Let Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death we'll cover a multitude of sin. What's at stake is life and death. And I think this is more than just, it could refer a little bit to physical death if someone wanders from the faith. Because earlier it said when we sin, call the elders and confess your sins together. So maybe sin sometimes does lead people to death and make wrong choices, and that leads them to make very foolish choices and has great deadly consequences. But there's more to this. It's kind of open. James kind of leaves it open. It could be that, but it also could be eternal death. Someone's soul separated from God for eternity in hell. That's why this is so important. That's why this is at stake. Hell is real. Jesus spoke about hell more than anybody else. Jesus talked about it all the time. He said, This is why I came. To seek and to save those who are lost. I don't want them to wander away. And James says, if we are not going after people who wander, what's at stake is their soul. Where they can be separated from God from eternity. It's serious what he's calling the church. To be in the family of faith. To be after. You say, well, are these people then not Christians? Is that what he's saying? We don't know. That's the point. If you are a part of the family of faith, that's what he says, my brothers, if anyone among you. So these are people who are joining together with a group of people of faith and they're saying they love Jesus and they're saying they follow God and they're they're living their lives. And all of a sudden they start to walk away. Here's the real danger with that. If you are in a church and you hear about Jesus all the time and you are living your life and you're going through the community and all of a sudden you start to wander away. We can't judge to know if that person is a Christian or not, but their life will show fruit. But the problem is it's very difficult once someone wanders away for them to hear the truth again. And so they may wander away thinking, you know what, I'm a Christian, but I don't need community. I don't need other people. So I'm fine. And they'll wander away from the community of faith. And many of them, from Matthew, will say, Jesus will say to him, I never knew you. Because it's very difficult then to ever get back to hear the truth. But not just wandering away physically. You can wander away, listen, you can wander away spiritually and physically be with the community for a very long time. Some of you may be in that situation right now. You may physically be here. But James says, what's at stake is your soul. We can't see your soul. So you may be sitting here, you may be a part of the community physically, but you've wandered a long time now spiritually. So you're showing up on Sundays, you're showing up every once in a while for things, but your soul is so far away from God that eventually you will be gone. We want you here. Because what's at stake if you continue to wander is your soul, James says. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death. Are you wandering? Have you checked your heart? Is there anything more important in your life than God? Do you have so many other things that you're physically here, but you've wandered away and you think you're okay because you're still just showing up physically? James says, don't do that. Repent of your wandering. Its, it's stake is your soul. What's at stake is people's souls which raises the stakes really high, doesn't it? Makes it very serious for us, which just causes a great kind of a problem for us. Because here's the problem. We live in a culture that doesn't want to get in people's lives. We are rural, suburban people. And so we kind of watch what suburban people do, and we like the fact that they open up their garage door, pull in, shut their garage door, and don't know any of their neighbors. And so we think, oh, that's the thing to do. And so our culture is becoming more and more that way out here, isn't it? People don't know each other. We don't spend time really getting to know each other. So it raises the stakes really high when James says, listen, church, as the family of God, you are called to be about community, to calling people together, to watching out for people's souls. So that means you have to live counter to your culture that says, let people do what they want to do. Don't get into people's lives. It's not your business. James says, it is our business because people's souls are at stake. And he wants to let the people who are going to go after the wanderers know. This is an encouragement for us. He wants to let us know that as we go after them, as we seek to serve them, lovingly going after them, what's at stake is we are going to be able to save their soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. And the question is, we have to ask ourselves, well, how do you do that? What do you say? It happened to me this week. There's a lot of teenagers that have gone through our youth group through the years. And I know when I pray for them and I'm studying for them this message and I'm at a place and all of a sudden one of them shows up and he's wandering and I see something and he's got the look like, uh uh-oh, I just got busted. And what my thought was, should I say something? What's my responsibility here? But I'm reading James chapter 5, and I, I believe I have a responsibility here. But what do I say? How do we do it? What do we, how far do you do it? That's what James is saying. It's messy, is what he's saying. When you do this, it's very messy. But we can't let the mess stop us. When an EMT comes busting through your house, and there is a problem Things are messy. There's all kinds of stuff all over the place that shouldn't be. The pattern of the way the life should be is messed up. But they don't walk away because it's messy. They say, that's what I'm called to do. Because I'm more concerned about you and the condition and about the mess that I'm seeing. And I want to be a part of your life and I want to serve you. That's what we are called to do. We need to learn To love people loving and cover a multitude of sins. And that could go both ways. There's texts in the Bible that say, even in Ezekiel, God said, if Ezekiel, if you do what you're told to do, you will be forgiven. It can go both ways, this covering of a multitude of sins. Not over if we rescue somebody from their wandering, help them out and cover a multitude of sins. But even when they'll cover the multitude of our sins of just being callous and apathetic, and not caring. We need to rescue people and go after people. That is the heartbeat of what James is saying as he wraps up this verse. Are you a wanderer? Will you go after the wanderer lovingly? Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death. You say, well, that's really difficult, Paul. I don't want to get in somebody's life and then I don't know what to say and I'm not really sure how to handle the situation and what if it just backfires on me and what if it doesn't turn out the way it's supposed to turn out? The reason that it's written in James is for our encouragement. God says if we do what he asks us to do, if we show real faith, he'll do this. He will bring back the wanderer. He will use us as his instruments to help that person wake up and to see his need, if we follow his way, it's for our encouragement. You say, well, that's good, but it's still hard. Well, remember this. There's a time when all of us were wanderers. We rebelled against God. We said our way is better than God's way. And we're not going to go your way, God. God. And God had made a promise thousands of years ago to Abraham. He made this covenant with him. He said, Abraham, from you all the world will be blessed, and I'm going to do this covenant. I want you to cut these animals apart, and I'm going to walk down the middle between them, signifying that if I don't keep my promise to you, that you can literally, if I don't do what I say I'm going to do, then you can tear me apart and rip me asunder. That's huge for God. Because God's always dwelt and lived in community. But there was a time when God loved us so much, he sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross. And on the cross, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was torn asunder from his community for you. He paid the ultimate price for you to rescue you from your sin, so that we could have hope, so that we could go and lovingly rescue others who are wandering. There's two types of people here this morning. Some of you who are physically here, but spiritually, you're starting to wander. You've started to drift. That's what that is. You started on the right way, but something's caught your attention. Maybe a doctrine that's not right. Maybe a practice of belief that's not right, and you're starting to wander away, you're still physically here, but you're still wandering away, you need to stop. God says, come back. Because if you continue to wander and go down that direction, that's death to your soul. And I love you too much. I allowed my son to be separated from me because I love you. I gave my life for you. And I want you back. And then there are some of us who know some wanderers, and we are scared to death to say something. We don't want to get into their lives. So we're just gonna watch them, watch them walk and fall into the pit. Don't do that. Lovingly go after the wanderers. What a tragedy if we have nobody in our lives So, if we're walking down the road and there's a giant pit, if there's nobody in your life that's going to say, Don't keep walking, stop, stop going that way. I'm begging you to stop because I know what's going to happen if you walk any farther. They may not listen. We can't control that. But God has called us to cry out lovingly, to pray for them, to encourage them, to be in their life in a loving way, saying, stop, stop, don't do that, don't go that way. That's a hole that you're never going to get out of. Jesus has a better way. Jesus came for you. He let his Life be separated from his Father for you. There's great hope for you if you'll follow his way. There's great hope for you if you'll follow his way. Don't go that way. We need people who will cry out to wanderers. And James wraps his book up that way. But if you don't see the importance of your community, you're not going to see the importance of caring. But if you see the importance of the family of faith, Cornerstone, I beg you to go after the wanderers and ask Jesus To bring them home. That's how James wraps up his book. Let's pray. Holy Father God, we thank you that Jesus is the answers to all our needs. Emotionally, physically, spiritually. Because James calls us to go after the wanderers, there's hope that the wanderers will be restored. Because Jesus died for our sins, there's hope of forgiveness. There is joy. People don't have to walk into the hole. We didn't have to walk into the hole because of you. So God, I pray that you protect us from wandering. Help us to see your love for us so great that we will be willing to get ourselves involved in the mess and be spiritual EMTs for people. Help us to do it for our own souls. Help us to ask people to do it for our own souls. And God, I pray that you would help us lovingly as a church. Give us wisdom And that you would bring back people who need your grace and help us to demonstrate the love of Christ for them. Thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.